Hello everyone and welcome back to the Empty Space In Between. It's our first one back after a little hiatus. Little two weeks hiatus. Yeah, so was it a week? I can't remember now. Could, it could be a few actually because we, we did plan something but it didn't work. So you didn't have anything that week. So Yeah, so we did try something <laughs> but, <laughs> but it, it didn't failed. Work. So episode 30 uh, and we're back again with another really, really interesting guest. Or we think they're going to be anyway. And that is Professor Stephen Longmore. Hey! Ooh, oh, thank you. Thank you for giving us your time. Oh, it's great to be here. Yeah, so we know you as someone who works in the field of astroecology. That's right. So we know that because when we did our data science masters, they came in and gave a talk about us. But for those who are unaware, if you are, do you want to give a little introduction into yourself? What you do? Yeah, okay. So my day job, I'm an astronomer or an astrophysicist. So I study how stars form, where does planets, how do planets get there? Where's their life in the universe? That's my, I guess, day job. But I've, over the last few years, been trying to take astrophysics techniques and apply it to problems a little closer to home. So things like uh, biodiversity loss and climate change. So the this astroecology is basically trying to use astrophysics techniques to solve eco- ecological problems. And that's kind of what I do in my night job, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's sick. I love that's that's what one of the things I love the most is is the ability to like that's why I kind of like machine learning this is very off topic but like is the the ability to apply it in yeah I, it's, in it, different, I love it in and, different and it's areas. good like meeting different people with different ideas yeah, different yeah. perspectives it's really and as you say yeah. you go into a different field and everyone has a totally different idea yeah. but then the methodology still stays and and you can apply it often you can apply it in different areas and and it's so cool when you find someone that and you say hey wouldn't like this work and then it does work and then you know and then they see that like for, well, I did one for. This was very left field, so obviously I work in like, a lot in healthcare. Yeah, we did an application in uh, for a non profit who work in like censorship. So we did an index yeah. on the freedom of like democracy or freedom of, like the Ooh, index yeah. on censorship that they that yeah. they published. Like so, from one being good censor the other using like the same clustering techniques I use That's elsewhere, cool. and it just works straight away. And it is quite cool seeing it in people's face and like, wow, this is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Particularly when they're not used to it, and you yes. show them it, and, it, and you give them new insights into something they hadn't before. Yeah, That's... into something which they spend yeah. the whole days looking at, Absolutely. and then you see the re-excitement in yeah. the, for their field. But yeah, I just remember being when we got that talk at masters level. Um, from some astroecologist in your department, who the names are now, forgive me, I will never I've know. I've forgot them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Slept since then. But you're talking about like cross application. I remember just being mind blown because I've always loved animals. I've kept animals my whole yeah. life. Then as a mathematician, you felt locked out of it, and you were like, I'm just dealing with data sets and that. And then you were like, No, we're looking at animals through the sky, yeah. and I was like, Data is data is data. It doesn't matter where it comes from, and and applying it. That's the amazing thing about maths and these you know machine learning techniques is that you know if you've got a good idea and you've got a technique and you've got a question you're trying to solve, then I'd get some data yeah. and you're yeah. on your way. That's it. Right. So we'll get we'll delve into that a bit more okay. later. But what we where we start with all our guests is yeah. we like to break the ice bit and ask oh, okay. some three. We, well, we started calling them highbrow, but they're really not three questions. They are highbrow. <laughs> it's spent a lot of time thinking of these. So the first question that we always ask all our guests is, what is your favourite sandwich? Favourite sandwich? Always oh, a head scratcher. That is an you will be judged. <laughs> I will be judged. Oh. Judged and ridiculed. We've had some goodies and we've, <laughs> we've had, had some, some absolute terrible sandwiches. We've had some stinkers. This is painful. <laughs> So burgers um, are included within the sandwich yeah. sphere. We had a burger shout the last time. I mean, I've, this is so lame, but I, I tend to to have wraps more. Yeah, that's fine. Right. Right. Okay, we're, all right. We're, cool. we'll let, we'll, yeah, right. We'll, so 
This is the recipe for, I think, an absolute smasher of a wrap. Okay. Oh, that's it. Right. I am. You got your wrap. Yeah. Falafel. I do oh. like a bit of cheeky falafel. I like falafel. Falafel's yeah. lovely. Falafel. Cheese on top. Bang it in the micro. One minute. Comes out melted. Juicy. Tomatoes. Lettuce. Hot sauce. The killer. So I've got, I go around the world, I collect hot sauce. Are uh, you a hot sauce? I bang in. Yeah. Yeah. Hot sauce. A little bit of sweat. After Are you one of them it. for the spicier the better or has it got to be with got flavor, flavor? A bit of balance. A flavor. Bit, bit of both. What, what's the best hot sauce you've had then? So uh, I just got back from Madagascar and they have like wickedly good hot sauce and it's so good because the ingredients are fresh and so I, I've uh, that's my my current favourite that's yeah, decent man so yeah. falafel with melted cheese what falafel type of cheese are you going for I've got to say it's, it's standard cheddar standard cheddar, cheddar. cheddar. I don't want to push it out too much you're mixing uh, culture there I know well, it's, like, it's like me it's a melting pot my, 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 my rap is like you know microcosm of my philosophy yeah, yeah. of life it's like bringing it. it all together all, all, all the things you I like you are going to say something exotic then just no straight up That's still straight on top, yeah. you know what I mean cheddar that's just it. it's like all, all the things I like from different parts of the world nice man. so then what's the tomatoes lettuce, lettuce hot sauce hot sauce what's that program that does the wings with the hot sauce Oh, I love ones. Is it? Is it just called hot, hot, ones, wing, hot ones? Hot ones. Hot ones. And they put, they have like ten wings with celebrities, you and then that? they go oh, up in spice at every wing. Right. And the M ones like made out of like, like what's it ghost, called, ghost peppers and that. Yeah, yeah, brutal. I've never yeah. seen one of those. But yeah, so like they ask him like progressively harder questions as right. they start getting more in pain. It's, <laughs> it's quite like good. Like, it's internal quite and external pain. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Nice. So you know what? I like that. That's up there in the top. That. That's up there because we've had some baddies here in Malabar. I still give them hate every week for saying oh. a cold sliced chicken on white oh, breads with, with cold peppers. peppers. Oh, do you know what? There's nothing more depressing in life than seeing someone with like white bread, like a bit of, you know, the cheese that you take out of. You unfold the cheese <laughs> yeah. with, with some like plastic ham and no butter, and it's just like, yeah, what yeah. kind of life are you living, dude? Yeah. Like, just, yeah. you, you just cry over yeah. your sandwich. Like, yeah. you, sorry. you walk past the computer that. screen, there's just nothing on it. They're just sitting <laughs> looking into darkness <laughs> with their own reflection as oh, they're eating. Plays no. in the background, hello, darkness, smile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get some hate email from my colleagues, but it's all deserved. Yeah. On them, not yourself. So the second question yeah. is, I think it's the famous one. Um, three people, dead or alive, who would you invite round for three people. a lovely dinner party? I would love my, um, Sir David Attenborough. Oh, no yeah. question. He has been my, he's just an absolute ledge. So if I could meet him, I would, you know. Uh, Michael Palin. Michael Palin, okay, yeah. from Monty Python. From Monty Python, yeah. and um, just, I know he's, I like travelling, and he's been... There's a lot of travel programmes, yeah, isn't he, over the yeah. last 20 odd years, And yeah. he's just, you know, and he's, I think he's just, he's funny, uh, witty, just, I think you'd, you'd have a good laugh. I love so yeah, I think, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear David Attenborough's stories, Michael Palin, I reckon he has a good pants. Um, well, third one. Uh... No, I'm struggling the third one. It can be it can be a friend. It doesn't even have to it could be um, could be family member. No, it'd be someone I'd never met before. Someone who's done something really cool. Somebody like, you know, someone who's who's really made a difference in the world. Like, you know, your kind of Nelson Mandela's yeah, or someone, yeah, someone, someone like that. that. So I can't I can't put my Finger, my finger on, on it, but it'd be someone like that. Someone really someone, influential, someone yeah. who changed something. Exactly. So are you like corpses? Are they like can I have Nelson Mandela court? No, no. Really alive. Yeah. Now let's just wheel him in. Yeah. yeah. And then the final question, 
is what's the worst job you've ever had? Oh, I've got plenty. Uh, <laughs> a so job where you think I would not go okay. back if I had Do no you know money like, for the rest of honesty, my life. This is one reason why I'm here now is because when I was growing up trying to save up money, I had some pretty bad jobs. So I think I can give you some of my worst shifts. Um, I had one, I used to work in a, a, a sort of pub eatery place near where I grew up and I had one shift where I was just told to peel potatoes and to grate cheese. And I had like a four hour shift and that's literally what, I had this big party. Was it cheddar? It was cheddar. <laughs> it was a massive block of cheddar. <laughs> and you know, you grate, it was like, they didn't have machines to do it. It was just like, cause I was like a kitchen porter. So I was getting- Just yeah. dripping in so Yeah, yeah exactly, dripping sweat out there. So that was, I had a job at, I wouldn't mention the company, but there's a, a company that has warehouses. And um, uh, and we used to, so the boss I had was an absolute nightmare. Wow. Um, and so like, it would have made the job terrible, but except everyone that was underneath him was like, right, we're not putting up with this. So we used to take turns like, so we used to, it was early, they'd bring in the crates and you'd have to deal with the crates. And we used to take turns sleeping in between the crates. Just while, <laughs> while, while he was, so we'd have one person looking out and then we'd take a kip. Uh, just, you know, just. So how old was you when this is happening? So th- the first one I was like, sort of 15, 16. Think, and then yeah, it was yeah. in between, I finished my undergraduate and I was, I was saving up to go to uni. So I was doing two jobs. I was working in a petrol station for eight hours and then this other, Jeez, yeah, just to save up the cash. You had a lot of jobs down, haven't you? Man, yeah. yeah, I've uh, so, but that's a pretty. They're uh, they're the worst ones. But but doing that, it's you know, I I, I appreciate what I've got now. Yeah, having, yeah. having worked through and done that, I'm yeah, worth exactly. it. I think as well, and teaching. Yeah, yeah. yeah because I, I worked all the way through like the undergrad. It was nothing as bad as like a. Like, like in warehouse and that but it was um, you know Nando's yeah, yeah. you know Nando's yeah, yeah, yeah. if I said that like it was like a fucking brand <laughs> 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 family owned thing you know that really you obscure know, place you know that really it's, there's one around the corner restaurant no one knows about Nando's, Nando's. Yeah, yeah so I worked there for like five years but as right. you say like when I got out of there I was like oh my god thank yeah. you fuck for yeah, that absolutely no I, I so sympathise so much with that it's yeah it's, 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 it's just a pain in mm-hmm. the ass and yeah. they just they're just not bothered are they no. At the end yep. of the day, yep. but yeah, big companies, yeah, they're not like they just yeah. let you. Like, obviously, you have the odd people on the ground who, who try that, to that care, but yeah, exactly. I mean, and honestly, I mean, if you've you've worked with good people, that's you can have the worst job in the world. But if you're having a you laugh, can have a laugh. Yeah, that's so I worked on building yeah. sites every summer. Yeah, and no one likes digging holes. Yeah, it's but not fun. You've got, you got the right people, but you yeah, can have totally. a proper laugh totally. there. Away, yeah. like you're thinking, <laughs> if it was just me digging it all, I'd be gutted. Yeah, but like, but I've got my mates. Yeah, yeah. I've got some. Fa- and then yeah. I feel like in those jobs as well, you end up being mates with like you're 17, but you're mates with like a 62 year old yeah. fella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're that's just the like coming in like what's happening? Who's got like completely different life experience and. You yeah. just, you know, yeah, yeah it's good. It's a bit of a, a, a melting pot of, of yeah. people. It's just quite that's fun. It, man. Yeah. But right, no, they're good answers then. Like, I like oh, it. Yeah, they, they were, they no, were they a solid were honest. set I don't on know the if they were. Uh, I like yeah. it. I feel like some falafel now. You know what? I might actually go for some later. <laughs> some cheese on. <laughs> well, I've not had falafel in ages. <laughs> but right, so, as you said, astrophysics, yep. your first love, as yep. it were. So when did that, like, come about? When did you know, oh, this is, this is, this for me? Honestly, so I, I... <sighs> Where did your desire for the stars? For the stars come from. <laughs> initiate. I, mean, I did physics at uni, yeah. and then I did a course on astrophysics. And so my my dad's an astrophysicist. So this was a big ah, thing. Okay. I was never ever going to do astrophysics. Because <laughs> that's what your dad like, does. That's what yeah. my dad does, and it's just like that is it's lame. And I don't you know. And I had all these like I'm going to go off and do my own thing. But I did physics because I you know enjoyed it, and I went to uni, and I did a 
like coarse on us. I was like, actually, I quite like this. This is this yeah, like dangerous. It's actually quite sweet. Yeah, it's actually yeah. I quite like it. And uh, yeah, so that was it. So I did some courses, and I I just I love it. I love the big questions. I love the you know big philosophical questions. There. I do. I love yeah. that, and I feel privileged. That I can try and try and answer try, them. try and answer. You know, they'll never be answered in my lifetime. But if I can play a small part, in it, I, just, I know. So yes, that was it. So basically, undergraduate. I really enjoyed the astrophysics courses, and then. Um, yeah, I just kind of went from there. So was like staying on like in academia was that always the way? Um, or did that come later? No, I was. I really wanted to do PhD, so I finished. I was saying when I was doing this job in the the warehouse yeah. place, so I, I you know saving up, and I wanted. I wasn't. <laughs> so I had. I'm, I'm half Australian. My mum's Australian, oh, so okay. I wanted to go to Australia, and I I chose. Uh, you know, I wasn't think this just shows you how how far ahead I was thinking is that I. I chose a university that was next to the ocean because I wanted to do surfing. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to do so a PhD. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I did. I went to Australia because about half my family's there. I didn't know them that well. Yeah. So that was that. I wanted to do my PhD, but I thought, you know, go to Australia, bit of beach yeah, action. Yeah. yeah. So two two birds, one stone. Absolutely. All that. Yeah. Yeah. So. so so even though you'd had done astrophysics yeah. and you were thinking like like I'm rebelling against that. Yeah. You literally moved drawn to in. the subject. I, like, I know it's terrible. Thought you were gonna say like, oh, so I went and majored in like art and drama, yeah. and then went back and ended no, up. No, no, it's it. terrible. It's uh, no, I'm not that. I'm far more dull than that. I'm afraid. <laughs> no, so, but it's it's a great topic. Man. So, how long have you been now in research and academia? So I finished my PhD in 2007. So I've been doing sort of my own research since then. Yeah, since then. So, what would you say is the most kind of important, influential, or even just like? The thing you were excited about yeah. it's in, in like your whole research time. So that I've done or that other people have done? Or you or other people? So start, start with you yeah. and then okay. we can move on okay. to the field so in general. I I think the thing that I'm really excited at the moment is that we've found that where stars and planets are in a galaxy can affect how they're the sort of the, the habitability of the planets. So we typically tend to think when when in the field of, of when we're looking at, you know, so so you know we discovered lots of planets around around nearby stars and we're yeah, at the yeah. stage that we can, you know, measure their atmospheres and, and potentially, you know, are these habitable for life? Well the current thought is that these planets like the sun, we just sit here and we're in our galaxy, we're in our star city, but we don't care about the other stars. Our, the, the recent work that that got me really excited was we found that actually that can change. So if depending on if you basically pass to if you're in a high density of stars, then that can lead to your planetary system getting messed up, changing the orbits of the planets. Ah, okay. And so we we found these these planets called hot Jupiters. So they are these very massive planets. Got the huge gas planets. Huge gas giants that yeah. end up and they're they're weirdly close to their star. I'm, I'm, we don't know how they get there because our solar system, Jupiter's way out, thankfully. Yeah. If the it was smaller in, we, planets are closer. And the smaller planets are closer, yeah. and that's great because that means we've got this lovely planet that can host life and stuff. And Jupiter is important because it, it plays an important role. Isn't that like our bodyguard, essentially? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So that's good for us. But most stars that we observe, the planets around them, these the Jupiters are super close in. And so what the the paper that, that I was really excited about was saying that the reason it, Jupiter's could have started out and then maybe because another star moved too close to it that it ended up, it like messed up the system and ju that, that Jupiter ended up crashing in towards the centre. So that 
is, if that's true, then that has big implications for where we might expect to find life in the universe. But so wouldn't, wouldn't so? Uh, uh, isn't our like old assumption that a planet could only, you know, most probably hold life if it's in these traditional Goldilocks zones? Absolutely. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Now we can get outside the boundaries of that, well, possibly. But, but or what, Goldilocks zones are now opened up to. No, the, I think I think the, conversely that this star system might have had a Goldilocks zone, but then another star went too nearby it and just smashed the Goldilocks zones a bit. Yeah, so the Jupiter's just coming and going, Woof, and it's kicked oh, out. Oh, so essentially now these this this paper discovered that that these solar systems are not kind of the these like isolated systems, exactly. That and just they can sit be like this forever. They can be so. So the assumption is that once you form a bunch of planets, and so you form ten planets, and they're this massive, and they're this far from their yeah. star, then that's it. It's like For a stable. Eternity, it's just a, it's stable. But what our paper seemed to show was that actually you can mess that up. There are ways that you can mess that. Why up. would the star move, though, Stephen? Is it because galaxies are colliding, or well, is well, it? I mean, no, no, no. Just the, it, our galaxy has like a hundred billion stars, so there's more stars in our galaxy than our grains of sand on Earth, right? I mean, yeah. The, just the the number's mind-boggling. Yeah. And they're they're orbiting around the center of the galaxy, so so are passing by each other, and usually they pass by so far away ah, okay. that that they don't feel each other's gravity, but. Occasionally, every now and then, every now and then, just because they're moving on just kind of random paths, that they can come close and they can mess each other up, and that's what 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 we found is that that might explain why we find these hot Jupiters. That was wow, yeah. sick. So what what what? How does a Jupiter being close to a star expands uh, a, a possibility of planets that could be? Habitable. Well, no, I, I think I think it, it shrinks it. Oh, it I mean, shrinks it, shrinks it? it okay. because that system. So, so say we we go out and we observe, and the way we find these is we look for you know the, the star wobbles, right? Yeah. Okay. If you've got if you've got a Jupiter next to a star, it makes the star wobble, and we can detect that wobble, and we find lots of stars have this this wobble. Um, but maybe if we were to look a hundred million years ago or, or a billion years ago, they maybe they weren't wobbling. They weren't wobbling. Maybe the Jupiter was miles away, oh, but shit. it was only that at some point in the Pre- in the previous history of this star's life, yeah. that another star got too close, and what was a beautiful habitable system then got wrecked, basically. So that's what. And this is a this is research that's directly coming out of your yeah. sort of group. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, so wow. There's, the, there's a new telescope that was well, I guess it's not a new anymore called Gaia, which measures the how stars are moving to exquisite accuracy. So stars near the sun, so we can measure how they're moving through the galaxy. And we can start to look, you know, we can compare the planet populations in regions where there's lots of stars, and we can compare that to planets um, where there's regions not many stars. And we find that there's a difference in the properties of planets in these high-density regions and low-density Because regions. their solar systems are more likely to be affected by exactly, neighboring stars. Exactly, exactly. That's a hypothesis. Now, it's a science, so it could be total nonsense. It could but yeah, that's it needs to be tested. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but but wow. this is what the hypothesis that's come out of these findings. Exactly, exactly. So we published it a few years ago, and that's what we... Uh, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. so wow. that's, I love that's that. pretty cool. So what would you say is then the biggest finding, or the most thing you find interesting in the field as a, as a as, whole? As a whole, um... So I mean, there've been several things recently. The the one thing that's most closely related, and I I love astronomical things that happen on human timescales because most of the stuff is you know it take <laughs> that you know it takes millions or billions of years for anything to happen. Yeah, right? this yeah, is happening. That's dull. In four billion. Yeah, exactly. Years. <laughs> exactly. Take a seat. Get your popcorn. It's four billion years, right? And wait. Yeah, and wait. Yeah, and four billion years is a long time. Yeah. So I I love. So there's um 
so the Nobel Prize a few years ago was from from someone who's who's in the kind of area, one of the areas I study, so the center of the galaxy, and they got the Nobel Prize for uh, finding the supermassive black hole that lives right at the center of our galaxy. And the way they do that is by the stars, because the gravity is so intense, the stars are moving close to the speed of light and zipping around. And you can actually see that if you've got a powerful enough camera with sharp around the black vision hole. around the black hole, and you can see, you can go on, you know. Do uh, put it on YouTube and, and look for one of these these experiments, and so you can actually see the stars. They, it looks like they're whizzing around nothing, right? Yeah. These stars, because you can't see the black hole, but these stars are moving at ridiculous speeds around, and from that you can measure how massive the, the black, black hole is. So they proved that there was this four million solar mass black hole right at the center of our galaxy, and I think that because you can actually like you can go on YouTube the movie yourself, like you can you can and physically see it. see it, and you can see yeah, and you get it you know how they've done it so i think that was really cool and what about over the last few years we've seen these like reconstructed photographs of black holes black is that holes, the one yeah. at the center of our galaxy or is that a different that, one so there's several so there's they've done our own they've done one nearby galaxy and they've done our own the center of our own galaxy and that is that's phenomenal like but both of these the, the thing that is really amazing is not just the result but the technology that they've had to develop in order to make that result is astounding. Like so, for this, the other one, the image of the the event horizon. So the event horizon is the the bit around the black hole where the material is just about to go forever. Yeah, right? it's about yeah. to be sucked in. It's the exactly. Uh, have you seen Interstellar? Never watched. Oh, it. Yeah. I know it's on my list, and it's one of them where I always like go, oh, I'll throw it on. Have you seen it, Stephen? Just never. Do you know what this is? Do you know that there are several things that are so embarrassing. One, when people ask me things like that, and I have to say no <laughs> <laughs> or lie. <laughs> no, but if you want to like. Uh, I don't know they, some type of construct of an yeah. event horizon. I mean, it's I'm, good I'm for that. I've seen that. I've seen some. Yeah, didn't it, didn't yeah. that take him something like genuinely like tens of hours, hundreds of hours to generate one frame with well, the, the, these, uh, something is, ridiculous? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they tried to get it as accurate as possible. Yeah. Where our and, and they were they did a really good job. Of I'd, ne- I'd read about it in books, but yeah. up until that film, I'd never like seen yeah. one in such high res. And that that if you want to know what it looks like, basically, yeah. Yeah. it's class. No, I do need to watch it. But 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 to make that what. It's called the Event Horizon Telescope. Yeah. And the way it works, I think it's just mind-boggling, is that they take, they join telescopes all around the world to make a telescope that's the size of the Earth. Yeah. And and that is, to do that takes, like, a, a level of, sort of a, a engineering and... and, and mathematics. I've seen that. Mathematics. You calibrate, like, Gibraltar with Mexico uh, yeah, and yeah, everything's exactly. pointing but, at the same thing, yeah, isn't it? pointing the same thing, but... But to some a level of precision that is just it's ridiculous. Yeah, jeez, it's insane. Yeah. But, eh? but black holes as a whole, like, do, oh, yeah. let's sort of sort you did. That. Have you looked into black holes much, Stephen? Has that been so? There's not much to see in it. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. If could just fucking going. There's a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, if I could enter that, uh, yeah, I would like, be a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> I would have a lot of money, but. Um, yeah, have you done much research around... Not black holes themselves. So Not I, black I, holes themselves. Yeah, I study the centre of our galaxy because it's it's an interesting window. So the centre of our galaxy gives us... It's kind of like a time machine. Yeah. It, it is the the gas and dust... So I'm, I'm interested in how stars and planets form. And yeah. the gas and dust in the centre of our galaxy are very like the conditions that our own Earth formed it. Because you know the, the Earth and the solar system formed five billion years ago, four and a half billion years like ago. It was like hot and, and collided exactly. with lots of rocks. Exactly, and yeah. And, and, and the universe four and a half billion years ago was very different than it is now. So it was a lot, it was a much more horrible place like to be. Violent, mm-hmm. it, much more violent. Much more violent. And so 
to study how our Earth formed, we need to find all these violent regions. So I'm basically, the, the centre of a galaxy is a place that we can use that tells us how our Earth might have formed five billion years ago. Like a time machine, basically. It's like a time machine. Bar. Exactly. What it sounds like. Because right, it's so, as you're saying, because the centre is almost like cluttered. Yeah. It is violent. So it acts yeah. in a similar way of which the, way the universe we, was, we would have been acting. Yeah. yeah. So, so then, for people who may not know or not understand, or even probably for us, because we probably are no, no, I know, I know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know it all. <laughs> I do. That's the problem. <laughs> so how? Are stars and planets formed? Okay, so you start out with a ball of gas. So there's so in when you look out in the night sky, and if you get a telescope, you can see galaxies, and you see that galaxies are, are made up of lots of stars. But there's material in between the stars, and that's gas. It's mostly hydrogen, a bit of helium, and some dust. And what happens is that in certain conditions, that gas can collapse under its own gravity. And so if you get a gas cloud that's big enough, it will collapse under its own gravity. And it, in the very centre, it will get hotter and hotter and denser and denser until a point at which it's so hot and so dense that nuclear fusion can begin. So that's basically, you've got a controlled nuclear bomb. That's what the sun is. It's a yeah, controlled yeah. nuclear bomb. Um, and that is how you form a star. So that's not the end of the story because not all of the stuff gets into the star. So the stuff that's left that didn't, that's failed star material, um, that can collapse itself. It, it's spinning too fast to get into the star. So that's the thing. So it, if, if you imagine like you watch an ice skater and, and they spin and when they move their arms in, they spin faster. Yeah, the exact yeah. same principles, like the conservation of angular momentum, that the stuff that's spinning too fast, it's spinning too fast to get on the star and that's what ends up as the planets. So the leftover star material that didn't, that didn't fall into the star, that was spinning too fast, that can collapse itself to make the planets. So that that is, in in the sort of essence, the basic physical process of. So we're all basically just like stardust. We're all stardust. That, we that are. Stardust. And, 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 and we're literally stardust. Yeah. Do you? Well, you, you know when people say it, and like you, you know the type of people they put it up on a Facebook quote. Doesn't matter how bad your day is, we are all stardust. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's, it's yeah. absolutely yeah. true. Well, it's kind of, so, you know, I love it. so where does the gas come from then? Great question. So the universe started out as as gas. So a large bit of the universe that we can see started out as hydrogen helium gas and over time has just been converted into stars and planets so it it, it was just there from the big bang here's, here's a question that's just come so you know um i can't remember the technical term but solar systems that have two but stars the, by, binaries, binary yeah. systems binary, yeah. or, or binary. you can get triple so yeah, you can't think of the word a mathematician you didn't know the word binary no but i didn't know if i didn't know if it was like a i didn't know if there was a, a technical expression a, a yeah. Yeah. Term, yeah. So, yeah. no we just use binary <laughs> <laughs> nice and so we're boring we're boring um, binary, yeah. so would planets form in the same way or is there a great slightly question. different way That's they form because obviously question. yeah the interactions absolutely that is a big a big unknown we don't know um so it it depends to to some extent, and I would say it's it's an unanswered problem. But I'll, I'll give my um, and there are people who who this is their whole area. So, yeah, yeah. So I I will give a sort of my my best explanation. Yeah. It, it it depends a lot on the separation of the stars. So if if you have two stars that are really really close together, and you get some that are so close they actually touch, so that yeah. you know they, they can be really super close together, then the planets would care less than. Because they just so you see, treat it as one exactly. kind of mass. Yeah, for for in terms of the gravity, it's just like really, it's just like one star. Whereas if you have stars that are really far apart, 
and you have planets that might be in between them, then you can imagine that be quite unstable. So the crucial thing for for planets is stability. So if you have one star, then that's quite a stable system because you've got one thing that dominates the gravity and everything just goes around that. And they might, you know, if if Jupiter gets too close to Saturn, then that's na nasty things happen. But over a long enough time period, you hope you get in a stable configuration yeah, where, where yeah. everything's basically, we're just chilled. We're going around. We're not influencing each other too much. But if you've got two stars, that are far apart, then that's much more difficult to get in this steady state or equilibrium. Because mm -hmm. the, 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 the star systems make me think of Star Wars. Well, that's that's. Oh what yeah, I like Tatooine. And, yeah, yeah. When, the, when he's looking out <laughs> over Tatooine and the two yeah. stars come yeah, up. Yeah, because yeah, I was wondering then, was it was it more the case of like as you were saying, stars enter a solar system that already exists, no, no. or do they st or do, is no. it created? It's so the the the, the planets and. And all the material is what's left that didn't make it in the stars. So they formed at right. the same time. Because you, you hear a lot then, Steve, um, about like, obviously, you've done a lot of research in how, um, yeah, w w what makes uh, the likelihood of planets form and, yep. you know, basically yep. likely, if you like. Um, you see a lot of people talking about, you know, the conditions. It's like threading a, a needle through a you know, a key through a keyhole, basically. Like, it's so unlikely that the conditions are right. What, for for life? For mean? life, or yet to form, or for a planet oh, to form really? that could have life, not even for life to appear, just for the planet to be possible, you know, to, I, to harbour life. I, I, it, I, I take the opposite view. I'd be interested. There you go, we can have a, I can have a debate. I think that... You think it's so, it's so likely that it's... Right, well... I know nothing about this okay, area, so okay. I'm just pondering so, the question. Yeah, I, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll say some facts and then get to my position on this. Okay. So, so, as I said before, so there's, let's say, there's a few hundred billion stars. Yeah. That, we've already said before, that's a load of stars. And from what we can tell, most stars have planets. Okay? So that is... No, we, we've only studied the, the the stars closest to Earth. So, mm -hmm. And we've got to kind of extrapolate from there to the rest of the galaxy. Yeah, but yeah. let's just say that most... There's a butt-ton of stars, and most of them have planets. Then the question is, what fraction of those planets are likely to host, like have like uh, to be habitable? And it, I mean, the planet systems we see, there's a complete variety. There's, it's, we're struggling to find patterns in there. But that means that it's if it's effectively random, then that means that there's going to be a decent amount of planets that could potentially have life if they're mm -hmm. just if they're the planet masses are are fairly random and the how far they are from their host stars fairly random. If you throw enough stellar systems in you, there, you get a, like you're, a distribution. You're going of. to get a distribution of them, and a reasonable number may lie in the habitable zone. So, I think there's there's no cosmic conspiracy that that there is no life in or no habitable planets out there. I think the super interesting question is: okay, then there can be in there, but maybe things like evolution that it was habitable and then it's no longer habitable, or maybe the the step, I think what what people are really interested in is not just are there habitable planets, what people really want to know is, is there life, life out there? And is there intelligent life? And I think so that's was it. Mars ever habitable? habitable? Yeah, I think I think early in its in its life it would have had more of an atmosphere that eventually went off, it didn't it couldn't hold on to it. It would have been more habitable. But whether not habitable Well, but, but we don't know. Because what one of the things is that we're so we've only got one example of life and that's on Earth. 
but maybe there's different kinds of life. Life could exist in different different forms. If if you had a different environment, maybe life would have evolved. Look completely adapted to its environment. Exactly, and that's one of our underlying principles: is this Darwinian idea of things adapt to their environment. Yeah, yeah. Isn't there a distinction though, Stephen, between a planet that? Well, there is a distinction. Like, obviously, there's so many that could potentially harbor life. Yeah. yeah. But then, ha- what's the probability that you can go to actually? Harbour in life, you know, because everything can have potential. The on the head. Kids can have them. potential to be footballers, yeah. but only a tiny amount Absolutely. end up being footballers. That, that is what I think. That's where the frontier of this field is. Is that what is it that makes that this transit exactly starts this chain how, event? Yeah, and so you know, on Earth, it took a long time. So, but to make that jump between just like this primordial soup of of like molecules and atoms and there was just sort of in the sort of proto-earth to go to that first step to to life took a long time um and maybe that the stars could be planets could be sitting in the habitable zone but maybe their star is too um it's too variable so it's it's sending out a horrible cause like too 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 many um too much radiation mm-hmm. or maybe it gets hot and cold and hot and cold and yeah, that means yeah. that like so there's I think the planets might be in the right place, but are the conditions right? Stable for that? enough. Exactly. And I think that is a key thing. Is mm-hmm. I think planets are everywhere, but what fraction stay stable enough? And, and, and our sun is amazingly stable, and, and we sitting at a constant distance from a very stable star has possibly been really important in us being able to have this conversation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think... So the, but that's... Exactly what we're discussing in the in the field is. Yeah, is has there yeah. been any indications that our star has been unstable? You know. Well, we'll I mean, so we will be. We we know. I mean, I don't. I'm not clued up on it, but I've heard like it's going to expand and it'll it eventually will do. It will do. become like a, a massive we'll star we, and then shrink back down again we, to like a red, is it a dwarf or something or a white the, dwarf? Yeah, or no, yeah, giant, yeah. So it will eventually end up there, but we'll be able to get our pensions. It's not going to happen for a few billion years. <laughs> so long gone by then. Long gone. Yeah, I'll be. I'll so be, yeah. what's the I can never remember the name of it. I don't think it's a paradox as such, but the theory of that life may have existed, but due to the the length of time it takes, it may have already died out before we came along. Yeah, yeah that's entirely is, possible. Is that as entirely equal possible. as kind yeah. of the other? Yeah, I mean, it could be. So there's there's this famous thing called Fermi's paradox. That, I think yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Why, why isn't the universe teeming with life? So everything I said, then you know, people listening are like, well, yeah, but then why isn't the universe teeming with life? That is, why so, can't I see it in the yeah, local? Yeah, yeah, why? Why don't? Why aren't I having a drink at the pub with a man with you know funny green head? Now you know why? Why, why isn't? Why isn't? I had a few drinks with them. Yeah, like, exactly. oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like after some drinks, I feel like myself. <laughs> no, and and that, yeah, so it's called Fermi's paradox, uh, and yes, yeah, so the universe should be teeming with life. If there's all these planets and they're all habitable and life happens eventually, then the universe should be teeming with life. So Fermi's paradox, just to go over that again, yeah. what is the definition? Okay. What is so, that? Actual- so Fermi, Fermi, just I was, I was basically going. I didn't say it, but I was going through Fermi's paradox. Is it right? okay? You take the number of stars in the galaxy. Yeah, seven hundred billion. That's loads. What fraction of those have planets? Let's say it's ten percent. I'm just picking a number. Yeah, but even, even if it's even if it's one percent, it's or still quite. It's loads. still yeah. loads, loads of planets. Yeah. What f- and then so you can say what fraction of those planets are habitable, and even if that's like. Point, point, 0.1%, point, point, yeah, yeah. that's still, you know, hundreds of millions of planets. And then if you say, well, how long does life take what took us, like, a few billion years, then, like, there should be life, you know, it should be absolutely teeming. So if you just do the basic, 
back of the envelope calculations, the universe should be teeming. absolutely teeming with life. And as far as we can tell, it's 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 not. Or maybe mm. it is, we just haven't detected it. So the, the answer to the Fermi paradox is that we've either, it is teeming with life, we just haven't found it yet, or that there's some there's something that we don't know yet that is a blocker to in, intelligent life. And I think we, we really mean intelligent life when we're talking about yeah. this. Yeah, people um, don't want to find like the public anyway. If, like, although it would be massive news if they yeah. find little organisms somewhere, yeah, people like, have just got like, found bacteria on the planet. It's like, oh, yeah. come on, we're funding these guys yeah. to find bacteria. I've got a bacteria in my house. Like, yeah. You don't need to go yeah. into space to find that. Yeah, I, can, I can just imagine yeah. news. Yeah. No, no, we, yeah, we want to find intelligent life. And, and that's, that's what the Fermi paradox is. Why, why is the universe teeming with intelligence? Why, why, why does it seem so empty when yeah. it, the indication is to the exactly. other side? And it's just, I mean, it's, it's the enormity of space, the vastness and, and the number of stars that... that uh, and as you say, our planet, like, we evolved over billions of years, but yeah. the, the problem we have got is the sample size of one. There could be places out there yeah. where 100,000 years, something popped up, yeah. quite got yeah, yeah. one million yeah. or two yeah. billion or... Yeah. We just don't know, do we? We've only got one example. Yeah. And it's just but this is like getting back so to annoying. It. Yeah, it's so annoying. <laughs> but it, this is also it's a one reason I love this field is because it's you know you're working with biologists and and sort of chemists who must have to understand the early sort of elements of chemistry yeah. and and you're working with obviously astrophysicists but like geologists because geology is super important. Like all the it's really an uh, exciting interdisciplinary area. Yeah. Um, Speaking of interdisciplinary, then so obviously people watching will know and we know we've had a conversation before me and Sam kind of work with machine learning AI yeah yeah, yeah. so how is that playing in with kind of this whole space of what you're working at is it a new thing or is it kind of being always there yeah I mean I think so machine learning has become this sort of over like arching umbrella term that that People like to use it. It's people, a buzzword. Like to, it's a buzzword. They like and it on applications. They, yeah, exactly. You, you, you're much more like I'm an expert in machine learning and AI. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have data machine learning? <laughs> yes, exactly. I only yeah. have four yeah. data. I only yeah, have four exactly. data yeah. points. And that, that, that's a genuine problem: is that you know people throw throw machine learning at it and and don't understand it, and it's a black box, and you you know sort of garbage in, garbage out if you're not careful. Yeah, you do because that. because yeah. I can run a Python script with yeah. one line. I like a lot of people. Oh, I've done machine learning. It's like yeah. well. Well, so there you go. That's exactly what so you're yeah. telling me. I haven't been moving. <laughs> <right. laughs> Slowly stand what? up. What? Yeah. Well. Yeah. So I mean, astronomy is a very data heavy. So I'm, I'm an observational astronomer. Yeah. Um, and so as opposed to a sort of theoretical astronomer, sort of simulator. So I, I it's it's a hugely data heavy, uh, heavy topic. And and I've been using, I guess, more primitive versions of machine learning for the whole time. It's the, the only way to make sense of the data is to try and you know we're looking for trends. We're looking for for trying to make correlations between things and you know comparing all this as you pull in data from as many sources as you can you yeah. try and make sense of it so in that sense um just naturally we we use and, and just develop out of necessity just out of necessity yeah. just it, it's part of our sort of bread so and butter do you feel more of a push of it now though if like the people say in the yeah the ai it, terms well it's, stuff, it's just or, buzzword i think people yeah. particularly uh, it's, it's funny, so when, <laughs> when like a new algorithm comes on, everyone's like, the Jumps title, on it. Yeah, the, the title will say, you know, classifying planets using new method X. You know, yeah, yeah. It's like just to get a paper out of yeah, pushed that method that on method, it. Yeah. And it's like, that method makes no sense to yeah, use. Yeah, where you, we're fine just measuring yeah. it with a telescope <laughs> yeah, yeah. and collecting yeah. it and that yeah, this yeah. works. You know, yeah. it's not broke, don't... It's not really? broke, don't try and fix yeah, it. Type I, thing, so yeah. On the one hand, I applaud that. I, mean, I think it's good that people are trying to innovate and develop and use new methods but I think the real skill in 
uh, I don't know what you do, but certainly I feel the real skill in, in science is not just throwing everything but the kitchen thing, it's having the right question. It's understanding the tool. And, and understanding it, the tool and using the right tool to answer the question. So no, yeah, I, I, the question. I totally agree because I've had this conversation a few times with people who try and implement data, like data science and stuff who don't have kind of the formal background or people say to me, what, what should I learn first? I want to learn data science. Well, you yeah. learn the maths first. Yeah. Because you've got to learn that yep. to understand yep. what you want to use and why you want to mm-hmm. use it. For example, like our, a place I used to work, a guy used, I think it was something like logistic regression yep. and his outputs like for one, like, or like a soft max classification, wherever yep. it was. So the probability summed to more than one for what he'd done. I right. was like, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Like, so he, that means it's always happening. So, yeah. so, so like, so he do, something weird had yeah, gone on, yeah. but obviously he didn't spot it. Yeah. And they were trying to... If you don't have the fundamental understanding yeah, of it, what, yeah. yeah. No, but I totally agree with that, I think. But I agree with the sentiment as well, because I see it a lot elsewhere that it shouldn't be a rush to get a new thing. It's, it should be a, how does this affect what we do? Yeah. And is it needed? Yes. Type thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I do yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I suppose... Expect, like for example, if you take like a problem here on earth, like I don't know, cancer, and you throw a black box model at it, you've only got one element which is confusing. Astrophysics is already a black box, and now we're gonna marry another black box with it. So we've got we don't understand the universe, and we don't understand the algorithm telling us about it, and now we're gonna mash them together, and we don't understand it, but we have an answer, we have a probability. It's ninety nine percent accurate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is? <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's no, like no, but as you say, it's about choosing the care because there is a time and a place to get predictions. Oh yeah, and oh, of and course, predictions yeah. are crucial. Like, yeah, absolutely crucial. It's just making sure you understand the, the fundamentals context in, and the context in which yeah, in which definitely. they're being applied. Yeah. So moving slightly on from astrophysics mm-hmm. onto astroecology. Yep. So how did that come about? Because is that a kind of a relatively new area? Yeah. So. Probably about five years ago now. Um, so I've I've always been interested in in sort of interdisciplinary stuff. But uh, so I, uh, I guess when you're talking about probabilities and random chance, so my my next door neighbour turns out is an ecologist. Ah, okay. And so he is you know he's a world expert on on uh, primates and, and orangutan and and so he's wow. a I'd say an observational ecologist in the sense of he he collects. Um, ecology data and tries to use that to in the field he actually goes out act- and, oh yeah, yeah i mean you spent his phd in in the middle of jungles for like si- literally <laughs> wow. six months counting around some people so he's cool hardcore. Yeah, yeah i mean that's, that's a, <laughs> he's got some great stories i spent um, three years behind a desk in liverpool <laughs> yeah man i suck man i fucking suck yeah exactly yeah but yeah, so, so you so met, it's like you one, met one the, of those things, and you think I'm, I'm I've made wrong career choices. Yeah. At point, right? So this neighbour then is an ecologist. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So Serge Vic is my next neighbour. So he's he's a this ecologist, and so he was starting to use drones for so instead of sort of going through the jungle and manually counting orangutan nests, which is I think the the sort of his thesis work, um, starting to use drones. So drones are coming in; they were big, and so the the question is. Yes, right. We can now fly drones. We can get loads of data. But how do we make sense of that data? Um, and, and in particular, how do you find animals? Because animals have, you know, kind of going keep going back to the same things. Have spent billions of years evolving not to be seen. Right? Yeah. They mm. want to be camouflaged. They don't want to be eaten by, by other things. And so it, it turns out that they were starting to use thermal drones. So drones with thermal infrared cameras that can detect the heat radiation, um, and the animals. So you're familiar with the these thermal cameras that yeah. you know like the, the police shows yeah, yeah. where there's a 
Robert hiding in the bushes. And, and he just sees him. Yeah, and, yeah. and yeah. he's just like, come on, man. It's, yeah, <laughs> so, with the haven't, uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> haven't you watched the telly? Don't you know? You, we, can, we can see it. So yeah, you find the guys in the bushes. So, so the same thing. So finding a robber in the bush is the same thing as finding an orangutan in a tree, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the... So an, an astronomer has been using thermal cameras for, you know, we, we were some of the first people that developed them to, to study things like stars and planets in space. So, so we're used to, you know, really extracting every last bit of information out of, out of images. And um, so we started working on, on, I was trying to help basically do astronomy, but pointing down. So doing astronomy. Just reversing the telescope. Yeah, yeah, instead of pointing yeah. up, pointing down yeah, and yeah. finding animals in the, the ecology footage was, was wow. how it started. Um, and yeah. I just built so, on from there. So, so you started the field of astroecology. Um, well, I'm bold, not sh- bold statement, but well, I'm <laughs> throwing it out there. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I feel a bit. So it, I don't even know if it is a field. To be honest, I mean, it's it's what we called our. So we, when we started applying for grants, so this was like yeah. Serge and I, and and we're like, let's try this. Let's see if we can get this to work. And, it, and you know, we applied astro techniques, and it worked. I was like, hey, this is cool. Um, let's. Right, should we write a grant so we should actually try and take it to the field and go and count orangutan or whatever? I'm like, yeah, cool. Well, we've got to come up with a name for it. Um, the name's well, bad, honestly. The name's well, so cool. Well, yeah. oh, well I was going to say, I, my astro colleagues hate it. They, Why? They, yeah, well, because... It Do they sounds, want to call it? it? Well, it's, it sounds like ecology on other planets. Like, oh, I see, yeah. Like ecology on extrasolar planets. So, so to them, it doesn't... So for, in my way of thinking was it's combining... Astronomy on ecology on Earth, but but there's it, the, it's so the techniques it, you combine, exactly, not the, not the you're exactly. Looking. So I mean, so you could have the other way, or you have ecology astrophysics or something where you're doing ecology on plant other planets. So anyway, the, we we chose that name and it just kind of stuck. So yeah, so we we are now our little group is is our astroecology group. Um, so yeah, what are some of the things then that your group's been involved in okay, so we, we've what he's focusing on, what animals yeah, he's focusing yeah. on what, what's the so uh, we're actually working with um, so there's now, so we expanded the core group so it's Serge and I and now we work with two um, computer science scientists actually um, okay. so Paul Fergus and Carl Chalmers who are black belt computer vision uh, uh, folks and, and we take basically any data and the, uh, as I was saying, the core thing we do is we find and identify any, you know, if you want an animal, we will train a, uh, a model, to, a find model to find it. So it's all about, you know, getting the data, doing the tagging and, and running the predictions on that. So that's the that's kind so of the sick. core. So, the, I mean, we're doing... So you're working with, with, with ecology groups then exactly. who are looking, wanting to look exactly. after certain animals. Exactly. Yeah. So, so they will come to us and they'll say, look, we've got 100 hours of footage, we've flown over the forest for a hundred hours, and what typically would happen was that there'd be a PhD student <laughs> whose job would be to sit there and you know have ten cups of coffee and try and say we and, and count <laughs> and animals and well, it wasn't before even tagging. Oh, just, just count just what's by there. Eye. So it was by eye, and then it was trying to and people were trying to develop their own machine learning models, which you know is all well and good, but if you, but we've developed something which we call conservation AI. So Paul and Carl's is there, um, the sort of where they've taken really the cutting edge machine learning in in computer vision and so anyone can upload their data and you say right here's my data you put it in the pipeline and it'll say right there's this animal here at this location and it's the idea is that it speeds up going from taking data to doing actionable things like right we need to put a fence here or Oh, this is where the poachers are getting in. You know that that kind of thing. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the the ecologists need to know that as soon as possible to deal with the problem. 
Yeah. And so uh, uh, we're basically fast-tracked that. Fast-tracked the manual looking through. Exactly. And and so now, I mean, the, the system, we, we're working, we've got camera traps in different different projects and, and we can, um, there have been some projects we're working on where they're interested in poachers. And so, for example, in, in, in pangolins in, in Uganda. So pangolins are these, I don't know if you've seen them. There's these have a have a look on on the web for what pangolins are. They're kind of like pangolin, a, pangolin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah no, no, I, I only know about pangolins because I'm gonna have, a look have you now. seen the South yeah. Park special about COVID? No. Uh, have you seen it? No. Well, apparently COVID started because Randy and South Park had sex with a pangolin. <laughs> like, that's the only reason I know what a pangolin is. One of those. those are, yeah, they're pretty odd looking things, but they, yeah, they're they're, they're, they're like really armadillos. Poked. They're like kind of like armadillos, but yeah, they're they're super. And, and they get they get poached. Wow. Oh, do, yeah. What do they get poached for? Um, well, this is very off piece, but it's very off piece. They, they, <laughs> they get taken to basically well China, where they're I think food I market or medicine yeah, market. Yeah, and, and they're, they're, there's a huge like price for these things. I think ah. I'm not sure. So it's, um, but yes, yeah, so we we basically have um, a uh, so the system that can a human appears in the in the camera footage where they shouldn't be. And it's immediately inferenced. It's um, a text message or an email sent within two seconds. Like real time tracking. Real time, two wow, seconds from detection to to the to the ranger, who can then make an intervention if that human's not supposed to. So be. is this from? This is not from drones. Then this is from. Th- that's camera trap. So we we are camera trap. Yeah, sorry, again, yeah. So the the the. The algorithms don't care. I mean, it doesn't matter where the data come from. Yeah, uh, it's it's agnostic. So it works with camera trap data, it can work with audio data if you train the model correctly. But it's just it's training the model to for the environment and what the species. I, what I really like most about this is the fact that it's actually a deployed piece yeah, of it's out development. Yeah, we're working with Chester Zoo, working with Nosley Safari. Because it's great. Because yeah. a lot a lot of machine learning stuff tends to stay in the. That, Especially in healthcare, it tends to stay in the realm of, well, we've done a thing, we've published it, this could work, but yeah, that it's is, hard it's the, to get the, the, It's the transition, exactly. It's yeah. the transition out there, and I think that's what Paul and Carl have been so successful in. It's this end-to-end um, application of... Real-time application of real-time, where you and, can see exactly, what we're doing. And it's, it's operating in the field in tens of countries and all, all different continents. And, um, yeah, so I think that that's... I'm, I'm, I really hope that we... That, that's going to have a sort of long-term impact in these yeah. general areas. So is that is there a website that people can go yeah, to? Yeah, Conservation AI. ConservationAI.com? Uh, yeah, I think if you just Google Conservation, conservation AI. AI. We'll put a link to it in the yeah. description. So if you have any footage, upload it, help the guys out, help yeah, yourself. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see, yeah. we'll see what happens. Did, did you yeah. guys, I was, sorry, this is probably, might be even more off topic. I was at, you mentioned Chester Zoo. I was at Chester Zoo, yeah. and in the elephant bit, there was this like, PhD oh, students yeah. who use cameras on the elephant compound. Is that you guys? I've I have actually no idea. No, sorry. There's loads. Of, there's there's lots of different researchers doing that. So I I yeah. I don't want to say yes, and it's not. No, <laughs> no. We do we, we do lots of things, and there's lots of different projects and PhD student. Mm. Uh, Is there loads of just thinking about the applications of like sort of astroecology, if you like, then yeah. outside of. I suppose animals you could use it for like I don't know track a natural disaster like a wildfire or a, we do fires you do fires you do thermals so so we were in um, so it turns out that and basically with a, a signature <laughs> yeah 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 well so so we we work with um, people all around the world to so fires are a major major problem for deforestation also for uh, peat fires in particular are 
a major source of um, carbon being released to the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Peat is an amazing sink of carbon. And so Indonesia, for example, the, there are some years where the peat fires release more carbon than the whole of the world transport together. Yeah. Wow. Just wow. one peat fire, then everything, planes, yeah. cars, the whole lot, the peat fire outdoes it. Just because it, it's such a good It's such a good carbon, carbon store. And the problem is that it burns underground. So it's not like these flaming forest fires, because peat, as you know, sort of is in the ground. So, where, so you see all the smoke, but where the hell's the actual fire? And it takes something like 100 litres of water to put out one square metre of peat fire. Shit. So, yeah. And then it's in the middle of nowhere, and you're far from a river, so if you're going to, you better point your uh, holes in the right direction, so to speak, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, we've worked with people in different places to use thermal drones to f- pinpoint exactly where the hot, and, and it can see through smoke, uh, because it's the thermal, yeah, course, uh, yeah, so yeah. it sees through the smoke, Boom, pinpoint it, put out the fire, and and yeah, so it's another kind of application. And catch them, I suppose. You've got to catch them early, because by the time they get big, you forget it. I mean, yeah. if you think 100 litres of water for one square metre. For a square metre? One, one, one metre squared, yeah. 100 litres for a yeah, square metre? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, once it's properly burning. It doesn't even yeah, make any deep. sense if you look at it. Yeah, 100 litres yeah, of water yeah, for this metre. Yeah, it's insane, but it's because the, the peak can be several metres thick, and it's all burning. So you imagine you're just trying to put oh, out your backyard... Shit, you know, if you have your bonfire, it's yeah, coming yeah. up soon, right? Bonfire. Yeah, right? Yeah. Imagine how much water it takes to to put that out when it's you know when it's absolutely raging, and then you've got. But got that's around. several meters on it's the ground. Several well. meters, and it's it's wow. also. Yeah, it's Is so, there any applications then, Stephen? Where you's a. Uh, you're looking to use Astro Ecology, you're thinking that could be definitely useful. We just haven't got the, the tools yeah, or, the, we, or the protocols in place to, to yeah, make moves in that field. I mean, I think it's such a general. The thing that we're developing is such a general problem. It's like finding and identifying things, right? Yeah. You, you can think, you know, you sit down, you have a beer, you come up with five ideas, and we'd love to explore all of them, but we're just. <laughs> it's just time and. Yeah, yeah. Time, money, and manpower, basically. That's it. You've hit it, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's brilliant. So, I suppose then, what's. what's What's coming up next? What's uh, in the future for yourself, the astroecology, astrophysics? Yeah. What sort of things have you got coming up on the horizon? Okay, so I guess take them one at a time. So on the astrophysics side of things, um, I mentioned before about the technology being a big driver. So mm-hmm. the the big telescope was just the launches of James Webb Space Telescope. Yeah, so yeah, I've been lucky that. enough to to be awarded time on that. Oh, wow. So, oh, wow. yeah, so I'm excited to be using that data and, and we're frantically trying to work on it and publish it so I'm excited about because that telescope is just it's phenomenal it's really phenomenal um, so how does like getting time on that work yeah so it's the, the way it works and this is a pretty general to all telescopes is that a telescope will put out a call for proposals so the James Webb will say right we on October there's one coming up so on October 26th is cycle 3 call for proposals anyone in the world can apply oh wow okay? And then, so groups of scientists get together, and the, so I'll work with my my colleagues. And I'll say, "Hey, I've got this idea. I want to look at this object for this long in, in at this wavelength, and I wanted this is my science question." So we get together and we write that. But of course, there's like oh, everyone's, all, everyone's doing this, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and then so there is all those proposals get submitted and get sent to the time allocation committee. So these are astronomers from all around the world that read the proposals and basically rank them on the top. So. So say there's you know a thousand proposals and there might be only ten to fifty that actually get time and then they they're ranked and then those ones get time and those people eventually get the data. That's kind of how it works mm. in general. So I was I was lucky enough to be uh, one of the first people to get 
data wow. on that. How long? How much time have you been awarded? About thirty hours. Thirty hours. So, yeah, so, yeah, it's cool. That's yeah, really it's cool. really cool, and the data is, is so, mind-bogglingly good. So what? You don't have to share it if you want to keep it a secret. But what is the general thing you, you're going so, to? So I'm very happy to share it. Um, so it's we're trying to find forming stars and planets in the center of the galaxy. So we found a cloud that we think is. Remember, I was saying that the gas is collapsing. We found yeah, a cloud yeah. that's collapsing, and we've been given time to look and so. James Webb can peer inside it, so it's just like the thermal infrared. Like in, we're seeing a peat fire, it can see through the smoke. Yeah. Well, James Webb can see through the smoke the cloud, in space, basically, through the yeah. cloud, and we can see the forming stars and planets. So that's what that the James Webb. Oh, so you can actually see them forming. Can actually, in the... see them. Yeah. So that's that's, that's so yeah, cool. it's amazing. That's yeah, it's really sick. cool. And and of course, and because it's the center of a galaxy, we think it's the conditions were like when we were forming. So we're lo- going to learn something about. Hopefully, how how we form and use the conjecture um, and apply it to exactly. our whole process. Exactly because of the nature of the universe, you'll be looking back in, in time. time won't yes, you? yeah. So yeah. it's it's eight and a half, it's eight and a half kiloparsecs. So it's like twenty. We're looking twenty thousand years. Or something ah, like that's that. when it starts confusing <laughs> yeah. me. When it's it, like, is, it is. We found this, but this didn't happen yesterday. <laughs> yeah. just, this happened ages ago. <laughs> it's just it is like, like boggling, yeah. What? Okay, yeah. that's cool. So, astroecology then, what? Yep, astroecology. Uh, so, we are trying to um, have have a way that we can scale up what we're doing. So, that's the, the next thing that we really need to do is that. Uh, there are lots of potential projects. I think the core of what we're doing is there. We've shown it it worked. And, and we really want to try and maximize that for the benefit of these different projects or organizations. And that, so that is what we want to do is really to, to find a way that we can make that freely available to... Uh, you need a satellite, the, man. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so is that more on the software front or like a hardware front, like have a cluster of servers, potentially people run on? That is on a banging or? question. That is, so it's a combination of both. Right, is okay. that it's the, the infrastructure to be able to quickly process. So say there's an immediate need. Someone comes to us and say, look, there's, we need mountain lions. Uh, we need somewhere quickly to, yeah, we need to quit. To there's this job. need. It's, we need to be able to tag that to get the, uh, the, the sort of end-to-end solution in place quickly, and that so there's that, mm-hmm. um, and training these takes a lot of GPUs. Yeah, I can so, imagine. So yeah, it's all images, to, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that that would be that's the kind of next step. So it's to kind of try and maximise the potential of of what we've developed to try and help. That's so interesting because again, it's a slightly different question on what you've already answered. Again, it's that whole element of trying to get. No, so interesting. Mm. I love it. Cool. Well, should, we, should we do the famous? Yeah, so, oh, no. so before we finish, your <laughs> oh no, I failed on the falafel. <laughs> <laughs> nah, the falafel, the falafel was, was good, a great grade. But uh, so before good. we finish up, we ask two final questions. Yeah. So the penultimate question yeah. is Sam's famous question. Oh shit! Thought so you were going to do the one. No. Yeah. No, here's my question, Stephen. I feel like I know what Stephen's going to say, but Same. it's it's like a question that his whole field asks <laughs> oh, okay. every yeah. day. No, so you're on your deathbed, Stephen. Yeah. Am I? Oh. Sorry. I've just put you on it. Okay, okay, good. You were nice and healthy before you came in. You're on your deathbed. Yeah. You've just been found out. Unfortunately, tomorrow isn't going to come for you. Yeah. What is the one thing you want to know that you currently do not know that you that will make that goodbye, that good night, a little bit more, okay, I'm happy I know that. 
is it, is there intelligent life in the universe? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I, mean? that, I didn't even need to think about it. Yeah, that, that, exactly. was, that was one that wasn't written for this minute we started. Yeah, so that wasn't epic. written for an astrophysicist. Yeah. It was yeah. written for every, yeah. everyone yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. So the final question is what we like to end on. So what we've done, we be going out soon, is we've compiled a little playlist. Cool. So when we have guests on, what we like to do is we like to ask them, what is their favourite song oh, of no. all time? Or a song they're listening oh, to at the yeah. moment. totally unfair. <laughs> it depends what mood I'm in. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, so if so then there's kind of a Okay, no, I've got like... Oh. Right, so I'm going to go happy. You know, like... I'm so happy. For our Williams. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I love it. That's how I just so pick banging, one, mate. Because, yeah. because uh, so as a, on, on Fridays, um, like after after I've got two kids yeah, and, yeah. and after school so they've we put on so they've, they've got their playlist and that's like number one on their playlist so when it goes Friday afternoon Happy. I played football I might have had a beer I get home and we put on the uh, and that's uh, so it's, yeah exactly yeah like exactly I mean, I mean we do a bit of shoddy dancing in the kitchen <laughs> oh, but that's the best thing about music isn't it oh, it's it. It, the memories it brings it. with you as well yeah. right well that's at a place that's another bank it's another belt I don't think we oh we had one bad one our mate who's a he's a City fan Oh, and he, and he, he had no what is it Blue Moon Blue Moon yeah, Blue Moon and we were like oh, I dear. can't believe it yeah, so thank you very much for coming on it's been such a wonderful conversation thank you, so Stephen. interesting oh, really thank you for it. your time um, thank you everyone for watching and listening if you did like it leave us a like button if you didn't like it well we don't like you but thanks for watching anyway <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean give us a view anyway uh, comment if there's anything you want to know make sure you click the links in the descriptions uh, to go to Conservation AI check them out they're doing great work um, and yeah we'll make sure to see you in the next one that's it peace out people see you later cool. see you in a bit